0: This is part two of our episode with Tom Foote from Foothills Farm. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you do so. This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. So what is hugo culture?
1: Hugelkultur is, it's, it's an East German raised bed growing technique. Culture, Hugelkultur, H-U-G-E-L, K-U-L-T-U-R, means mound growing. And it's a method of, of, in Eastern Europe, there's a lot more rain than we have. So on places where there's a high water table, it's a way to build up a raised bed burying on top of masses of organic matter. Mm. and various layers to create soil and a raised bed and so it's 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 great for slopes it's great for deep rooted vegetables uh trees bushes this kind of stuff um and so i learned about that and on my land i discovered there were many many semi-rotted logs mm. so yeah. this is how i built my culture bed and this is um uh, um, this is a, a classic kind of a classic approach towards it with this tractor. So I dug a trench, seven feet wide, twenty feet long, and about three about three feet deep, digging out with the tractor bucket. And then I went all over all over my land, and I dragged ten to fifteen to twenty foot long logs that again were semi rotted. They had enough structure left to them that I could lift them with the tractor. Mm. Mm. Carried them over to this trench. And the first layer was four layers of I mean, these were big logs. Four four logs in a row in the first layer. Three in the next, two in the next, mm. so that you wound up with kind of this mounded shape like this. Right. Of these of this of this semi-rotted wood that had already been colonized by fungi, which is another incredibly important thing to have in your soil Mm -hmm. and so I did that on top of that then I put my neighbor who I just met who raised two cows every year she had she had a stockyard of uh, of cow manure
0: and so I didn't want to use
1: horse manure I knew not to use horse manure because I don't like some of the chemicals some of the uh, biotics antibiotics that Mm -hmm. that are used in horses Mm. so I didn't want to do that plus there's a lot of weeds and so and so from what I understood, so I got this, I went over to her with my little Toyota Tacoma pickup that holds a yard, cubic yard of, of, of <laughs> stuff. And, uh, and so, and I'd been up and down the Alcan five or six times. It was a, it was a little goat. It's, I love my truck. I swear. I, I love my truck. And so, uh, um, and so I would get loads of that and she using her tractor And so I bring it back, and then on top of these logs, I put a nice, big, thick layer of of this manure. Mm -hmm. On top of that, I put in a layer of branches. Semi, again, semi-rotted or dried, you know, years old, laying on the ground, branches. In those branches, then, I took leaves. From where? Brown's edition. Thank you, Brown's edition. They know me now. Their bags of leaves disappear magically every year, about just before Thanksgiving. And so, uh, and so, I would I stuffed all the air spaces with leaves, with these branches on top. Okay. On top of that, I put a bunch of compost that I had. I hadn't had time to make it. I had to import it or, or, or get it. And then on top of that, I put a layer of, then of soil. So the hugel bed was 20 feet long, seven feet wide at the base, and it was about, it had to be three and a half or four feet tall. Mm. And that was my hugel bed. And I made eight of those. Well, I made four beds for growing produce. The rest I used down at the driveway to raise the grade Mm. and to achieve the purpose of of hugel, you know, so that I could grow because outside the fence was also going to be a growing area. For things that deer didn't like, and so I made oh eight or nine or ten of these hugel beds, and uh, and then uh, you know declared success and uh, and started planting and stuff, <laughs> and so uh, so that was hugel, and and I still, <laughs> it's funny I mean, a lot of people, hugel culture is the darling of permaculture. Every permaculture person, almost everyone, loves hugel beds. You know, and, and I've met some people who, like me, they're, they're kind of, yeah, mixed feelings. I mean, they're good for some purposes. Nothing is good for everything, you know, so they're good for some purposes. Hugel was invented in eastern, was developed in eastern, eastern Europe where there's a lot more rain. Here, 17 inches of precipitation a year, you, you, you have to irrigate. Mm-hmm. They're gorgeous for coming off of the spring, off the winter and spring rains, they are complete, Those logs are completely soaked underneath there. Mm-hmm. Hoogle beds are advertised as self-irrigating and self-feeding because all the moisture in those logs in the mass and those layers of food as it decomposes hmm. and this kind of stuff. So you plant plants on top of these hoogle beds. Now, the thing about plants is that plant roots will not seek out food. They will seek out moisture. So you put some plants on top of these hoogle beds, the, the roots sense the moisture way down below, and they'll grow to get that moisture. Mm. And along the way, they encounter the cow manure, the other, the other ingredients on the. So, so they benefit indirectly from this thing. But hoogle is, hoogle is you know oh, you've got to have hoogles. Oh, you <laughs> and you'll see pictures of hoogles that are six feet tall, and they'll have these vertical sides, and they'll show a picture of a woman standing there, you know, uh. eat, picking strawberries. And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> believe it. I, you know, they're not going to stay that that tall for long. And plus, right. anytime you water them, the water runs off. Mm-hmm. And they have to be watered in this environment. Mm-hmm. You know, plus, the thing about... Uh, A raised bed and a mound like this is that over time because of wind and whatever soil tends to migrate from the top to the sides. right so I made all these hugel beds the second year I haul I was hauling logs again Mm -hmm. but I hauled them to put along the shoulders of these hugel beds so that the soil that was sloughing off would stay would would encounter these logs and start building deeper shoulders you know. Okay. So I modified That's him right here. away yeah. and uh. So hugel beds, Google beds, Hoogle. Nice. Hoogle. Is, that so, ha- is that how you get really like nutrient dense food? Is this because because the the, the the roots are so deep? Is that like one of the re- is that a big no nutrient Google has nothing to do oh, with no, nutrient it do it dense. To, okay, the roots. This you is, know, the, this is the what I nutrient, know about nutrient dense food comes from <laughs> nutrients. Uh, plants come from just the quality of your soil. The cro- okay, whatever kind of growing medium or whatever kind of growing arrangement you have, raised beds, on grade beds, gotcha, you no know, whatever, um, but. Hoogle beds, they do well, again, with uh, with deep-rooted vegetables. The first year I planted lettuce. Uh, lettuce doesn't do good on Hoogle because yeah. they're shallow-rooted. Mm. And so I had to water like crazy. And so what so was
0: the first thing that you got to grow on your land?
1: My oh, I was on one of those Hoogle beds, and I planted – this was in – June, June of 2012 was our, was our I, I remember it well, was our very first plant we put in the ground. And I think it was, it was probably something like lettuce or, you know, or, or broccoli or something like this. You know, mm. I have to say, my friends know that I don't know scientific names of plants. And so, and I, I tell them, I say, listen, I'm 71. I don't have a lot of time left. And i'm not going to spend it learning scientific names of (laughs) of you know allium whatever or maples or acer someone or something like this you know i barely know kooker you know and i said and i said i just uh," you know so at these (laughs) meetings they would they would they would you know they would be throwing out these scientific names and i would say common names please what is that yeah so after a while (laughs) it became kind of a joke and they would throw them out just to tease me you know i think and so i I I responded by making it my own names, you know, deep rootus, you know, green (laughs) leafus or something, and and they would just, you know, they would shake their heads. I was Tom. What are you doing? But I, you know, I I have no use for scientific names. I really don't. And and uh, you know, Pat Munts, who knows every Every scientific name in the world, you know, she just laughs, you know, and I'll say, you know, just give me the common name. That's all I need, you know. (laughs) so.
0: So was it lettuce then? I think it day? was. There okay. was some, probably
1: some lettuce. Some of the stuff we wanted to get results from uh, fairly quickly. Lettuce, probably some broccoli. Oh, well, it was broccoli. There was some broccoli in there, and maybe even a cauliflower, which I just don't. I don't even try those anymore. That's insane <laughs> to grow those things and just drive me crazy.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you just knocked off completely like, that I don't that grow? Yeah, like that you started with, maybe, and well, then you're like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Well, <laughs> it's
1: it's funny because being part of Link link foods the mm. co-op with 40 something active farmers there are farmers who grow outrageously good potatoes outrageously good onions carrots mm. all this stuff and so tori and i talk about this and number one we have an herb farm mm. every square foot in an herb farm can be planted with herbs fairly densely and is extremely valuable i don't have enough square footage for for uh, uh, for um for Hubbard squashes, you know, or, or watermelons or mm. this kind of stuff. I, I like them. I like to eat them, but I mean, I've got, they take up square feet. I mean, they take up lots of room to grow these things. Right. Someone in Link grows them better than I do. Mm. And they grow a lot of them. And towards the end of the season, a lot of times they'll have seconds, you know, and so come. So w- for example, we don't grow potatoes, we don't grow onions. Well, scallions we grow and mm-hmm. leeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't grow carrots. Number main reason for that is our soil is still fairly shallow. Um, this past year, I grew some French market, which are little sweet, little round ones. They don't mm. take a lot of deep uh, soil. Yeah. But I can't grow these deep. I mean, these farmers in length, they have these like 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 eighty-six-inch-long carrots. You <laughs> <laughs> know? Like, what are you doing? It's insane. Yeah. So I, those are kind of some of the things. Uh, broccoli, I don't grow. This kind of stuff, I, so I just So knowing your grow.
0: market is really important, too.
1: If you're going to m- try to make some income, not only knowing your market, but knowing what other people are growing, what you can grow, where you're going to sell it. Um, there, I, I have a presentation that I call the five Ps. You know, and it's, it's kind of an analogous to a who, what, where, when, but it's, But it's the it's the five P's. It's it's the it's the um, the purpose. You know, if you're thinking about growing something and starting a farm, what's the purpose? Why are you going to do this? Hmm. You know, because it takes years sometimes to develop. You know, and to get the soil ready and and to be able to make any kind of money if you want to make money. Mm -hmm. So what's the purpose of this? Second one is the people. Who's going to do this? I mean, you know, you know, how many people are you going to have? Is it going to be you? Yeah. If it's going to be you, what skills do you have? Do you know about plumbing? Do you know about electrical? Do you know about tools? Do you know about digging? Mm. This kind of stuff. How's your health? You know, all this kind of stuff. So purpose, people, um, the place, where are you going to grow? What's the soil like? What's the, or- what's hello, what's the orientation? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what's the orientation, you know, south and west? That's kind of <laughs> important to know. You know, the place, what kind of soil, mm. uh, what kind of exposure, What kind of uh, this kind of stuff. Um and then uh, uh, the fourth P is products. What products then are you going to grow? Do you know what's being sold? At farmer's markets, if you plan farmer's markets, you go there, everyone has zucchini. <laughs> everyone has. There are people who grow 36 varieties of tomatoes mm-hmm. just because they can. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I grow three, you know, sun sugar, beefsteak don't ask me the variety, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Amish paste, you know, which is, you know, I don't know the name of Amish paste. It's called Amish paste. It's not, you know, Am- us. Um but, um but, you know, so, um, so if you're going to grow some products to sell, you know, are you going to compete with these people who have been selling longer than you? Or are you maybe going to look at what you can grow because of where you are that might be different, might be mm. a little specialized? That's why we went into herbs and spices, unsuccessfully at first, but still. Um, and then finally, the fifth P is your plan. I mean, after these four P's, you know, purpose, people, place, products, is your plan. And this is, this is gorgeous winter, winter activities. You know, because, you know if, you're just, if you're gonna do this and you're gonna start next spring, spend the whole winter just, you know, mm. getting brutally honest with yourself, you know, and then put together your plan and next spring, as soon as you can, start you know start hammering it out and going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't plan like that, then um, then you just run the risk of making mistakes. And there's that euphemism, there's that saying, every mistake is a learning is a learning opportunity. <laughs> well, yeah, every mistake is a learning opportunity, but ideally, we really don't want to make a whole lot of mistakes because right. a lot of times there just isn't a lot of time you know, mm-hmm. and, right. and I've made mistakes and had to go back and redo them, you know, and do them correctly. And, and so, mm-hmm. and and yes, yes, I've learned a lot from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned more from my successes though, I have to say. Um,
0: so, but I know that, so obviously soil health is a like number one priority for you. What are some of your other top priorities in regards to conservation and regenerative practices on your farm?
1: Carbon sequestration and lowering my carbon footprint. Love it. I've got to do this and I do this by number one making my own compost. I take leaves and turns into into compost which sequesters carbon. Mm. I also make my own and I also buy occasionally a product called biochar. Yep. Biochar is a is a product that is close to pure carbon not quite pure carbon that is in commercial in commercial operations are made in a in a pyrolicizer which is a oxygen deprived atmosphere with high heat and it drives off all the gas mm. it would guess and you're left with a you're left with a fine textured uh, carbon you know that then you take that and you can use that in your garden Biochar. Phil Small is a huge proponent. Many, many gardeners are becoming uh, big proponents of biochar. Gloria Flora up north is a big, a big. Uh, she has the International Biochar Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, biochar, by itself, pure biochar, is not. It can't be used, right away. In the farm soil or a garden soil, it has to be what's called infused. It has to be uh, it has to be infused, charged is another term, with some kind of nutrients. Hmm. Because if you take biochar, fresh biochar, and I make my own from slash piles, by the way, in my forest. So the slash that I take from my trees, my dead trees and stuff, I can chop that up. I can burn it in a special way, and it produces. It produces this biochar with little effuse uh, with little uh, outgassing of carbon. Mm-hmm. You have to take that biochar and put it through a compost tea, put it through compost um, somehow, and charge it with nutrients. Once it's charged, then you can take that and and if putting it in your if you charge it with your compost, then um, then when you put your compost in your soils, then it just goes in right away. What it does once it gets into the soil, biochar, this charcoal basically, um, is, has such a surface area that it encourages the colonization of it by mycelia, by fungi. I grew up, and probably a lot of people my age grew up, with thinking that, oh, fungi in your garden, oh my goodness, get a fungicide. Let's spray that stuff out mm-hmm. of existence. Mm-hmm. It turns out that, that it, it's some of the best stuff. Biochar, when it's put into your plant, when it's put into your soil and and, and, and distributed through your soil, um, it and then your plant, then you plant in that soil with biochar. The mycelia that colonize that biochar, because there's so much surface area and that attracts it to it and stuff. Mycelia of fungi have been shown to extend to grow between the individual cells of plant roots. Now without fungi, we would be sealing deep in rotting, rotting material. That's right. their purpose in life is to break down stuff. Well, as this mycelia that colonizes the biochar, as it, as it breaks down material in your soil, the organics, it is able to transport it directly to the cell, the root cells of your plants. So the root cells don't have to go get stuff so much. It's right there being carried to the root cells. And so your plants are much healthier, much, 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 uh, uh, much healthier um, because of this addition of this biochar into your soil. Hmm. And so um, and plus, again, you're, you're, you're sequestering carbon in an incredibly beneficial way. There have been and continue to be empirical studies that show, that have like control plots. You know, In fact, down in the Palouse, there was a test of it. The Palouse soils, some of the richest soils tradition, historically in the entire world, are becoming heavily polluted with aluminum mm. because of the application of fertilizer. Mm-hmm. They have now done tests with biochar um, biochar in this plot, um, no biochar in that plot, uh, just compost, or maybe I forget what the third plot was, not quite so much biochar. And the yield on biochar from biochar uh, added to the soil is, is tremendous. It also binds up some of, the, uh, some of the bad juju in the soil, the bad, uh, you know, these, these pollutants and stuff. It'll bind it into the biochar itself. You know, so that the roots of the plant then, you know, are 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 free to free to do other things. This is where it gets a little cloudy for me. I'm not quite I'm not a soil (laughs) scientist like someone I know. Um, but um, but so there have been show and, and it's been used for thousands of years. I mean in the in the Amazon it's called terra preta. Which is the natives' b- product of slash and burn, but it uh, p- created this char- biochar-infused soil in the Midwest in the High Plains because of the grass fires. Natives, Amer- American Indians, would would burn, would, call, would start these fires, these control burns right. th- for the prairie grass, mm-hmm. and it would create this biochar they would then when they settled for the season to grow their food then would would uh, would have these superior results because of this this biochar. Wow. So biochar is this wonderful product. It's expensive. It's not made in enough in big enough quantities now to drive the cost down. So um, so it's be, that that's an issue and will continue to be an issue until it's widely accepted. It won't be widely accepted. I mean farmers are you know they're they're a risk averse lot. I mean, their livelihoods depend on, on their wheat crop, for example,
0: mm.
1: and to have them, to try to convince them to spend so much money per acre, you know, on, on this product, even with results, you know, proven results, that's a that's a lot to ask of of, 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 a, of a large uh, large scale farmer. So we hope it spreads. It's spreading on a small scale. And that's the beauty of small farms like mine and and other people in this area is we can adopt these cutting edge techniques and products, soil amendments, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and do it inexpensively, and show that some of these things are, you know, are, are great. You know, they they actually work. They, they, the good for the soil, yeah. for to, re- to regenerate the soil, which is one of mm-hmm. our prime, prime goals, is uh, is to do this and to lead by example. You know, to educate the public, mm-hmm. other farmers, other small farmers, and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's really important, and I'm sure you would agree that everybody who is buying their produce from farmers, they should be asking these questions about soil. And so, can you just tell us why is soil health so important to the consumer?
1: Soil, good soil health is what produces, or facilitates nutrient dense foods. The foods we get, whether they're imported from other countries, um, whether they're organic from from some countries that are labeled organic that they really aren't, uh, whether they're imported from Iowa, uh, Florida, or wherever um, with with, uh, traditional agricultural practices, aren't they just don't have the nutrient density that that plants grown in sustainable soil in high quality soil can do uh, have there's there's a now uh, the grape in the grape world in the wine world mm-hmm. there's a test called a BRICS test B R I X and it measures sugar content of grapes well BRICS testing now is starting to spread into agriculture so that we can take Basil for example and there are now tables that show what what the sugar content of of basil should be Mm. You know what it is all this kind of stuff and I have a BRICS tester and and I use it on my garlic and some of the uh, Some of the moisture vegetables I grow the easier to get a drop some of my fruit and stuff but you can do um, you can do BRICS test now on on basil and compare it to the chart of where it is and where my basil is, and my basil or my garlic is, is, is always up above, you know, tradition, or where, where, where a lot of these charts uh, top out or, or at the very top of there. And that tells you, that, that BRICS test measuring the sugar content of your produce, of whatever kind of produce you have or fruit or whatever, If if it gets to be these high BRICS ratings, that that directly reflects on the quality, on the health of your soil because Mm -hmm. poor soil is going to grow poor nutrient-valued food. Poor nutrient-valued food, we can feed all we want to fresh produce to our our kids in school, but if it's not nutrient-rich, if it's not nutrient-dense, it's not as healthy for them. People who go now to farmer's markets, which the farmer's market... In my mind, is the interface between urban and rural. It's where it's the urban. Seventy-five percent of the population of America is in cities now. Those people who moved into cities, I believe, have a yearning to to go back to 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 re to to reestablish their roots in a rural in a rural setting. They think the food is healthier, and many times it is. So the the farmers' markets are is this interface of how urban urban food b- buyers and eaters can get better in touch with, with farmers and small farmers and nutrient-rich uh, foods and soils. The BRICS testing can be used by, by uh, farmers to market their produce by, by educating. And it's a constant education.
0: Mm-hmm. Small
1: farming is all about educating the, the, the buyers Buyers at farmers markets, they want to buy it for the least amount of, uh, the lowest price possible. Yes, that's wonderful, but farmers need a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. They also want to, um, they also many times need to be educated that if you're buying an organic tomato or even a sustainably grown tomato, it might have a blemish this mm-hmm. this potato or this tomato it's not going to look like the bins in in, in, in Fred Myers
0: right, right. it's yeah. not
1: going to look like and and because it doesn't look like that it may become from the grocery stores part of that 40% of american foods are thrown out because of blemishes because of of appearance we have to get our we have to get the public away from this 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 demand for perfection in our food, mm-hmm. uh, carrots that are twisted and stuff. We have to get though. I mean, people have got to recognize, and they're more and more. This is starting, this is happening because of farmers markets. Farmers markets are so important for the education part of uh, of, of uh, uh, educating the public mm-hmm. about alternate. not alternate foods, alternate sources of foods, but but just you know about about. Uh, how food should be and can be um, you know and part of that education is education about nutrient density you know right. um, people I mean the perfect example is tomatoes I mean mm-hmm. the tomatoes from, from the grocery stores you eat these and they go you know and everyone comments when they buy a tomato from farmer's markets. it's like I didn't know tomatoes tasted like
0: that I, yeah. well of course <laughs> you
1: didn't because they don't you know right. what we've uh, um and it's not just produce. I tell the story. I grew up at, at my age. I grew up in the fifties and sixties with the marketing campaign for pork, pork, the other white meat. When I started raising my own pork, my own hogs, and butchering it, I realized how wrong that was. I mean, if you buy a pork, t- I never liked pork chops because they were dry, and, you know, and mm. bland. If you buy a pork chop or a piece of pork that's white. And, and slightly dry and stuff, it's been raised in a, in a calf, what is it, calf, co, the calf the, uh. those, those huge, those huge uh, uh. Animal, uh, human, animal operations. Yeah. No, right. The hogs that we grow, when we butcher them, our pork, and it's not just the breed, our pork is darker, it's moister, mm-hmm. it's, it's, in, it, it, it's, it's uh, marbleized more. And so now, last year, we had some pork chops from our hogs. And it was like, whoa, these are moist. You know, so I realized how we had been misled mm-hmm. into efficiencies that lower, the, lower the, 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 the quality of the food we have. And those efficiencies apply not just to fields of tomatoes and broccoli, fields of, of, of basil, you know, but to the animals we eat as well. Mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. My my chickens, my turkeys that we raise and we raise and, and and provide to other people, people comment all the time. It's like I've never seen this. We had a uh-huh. chef that commented on one of our turkeys. I've never seen a thin layer of fat around the around the the turkey like that before. Mm. And it's because the way we raise them and the food we provide them. It's also I mean in there is the care we give them and how we raise them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the uh it's it's you know it's same with the produce i mean our broccoli tastes great i mean link foods is the stuff people get from link foods the school districts that's why they buy it that's why they like it so much
0: stay tuned for more rocks to roots right after this As harvest season begins to come to a close, make sure you continue to support the farmers in our area by checking out final farm stand hours. There's plenty of nutritious and delicious produce still available. COVID restrictions has left many farmers and ranchers without businesses to buy their product. We can't let that food go unused and left to rot in the field. Make a point to get to know your farmer and get to know your food better in these last few weeks and stock up for the holidays. Compliment your celebrations with healthy, nutritious, and delicious food that supports our local economy. You can learn more at southspokanefromcorridor.com. It's just about time for the Spokane Conservation District's Best Annual Tree Sale. Pre-sale period will begin February 1st and last until mid-March. Pickup days for your trees and shrubs will be in April. This year, we have over 20 different species to choose from. One in particular will be huckleberries. Pricing starts at five seedlings for just $10. Be one of the first notified when the sale opens by signing up for our tree sale mailing list at sccd.org. We will sell out of select species within the first week for sure. Sign up today at sccd.org or email info at and request to be on the 2021 tree sale mailing list. Education is key, and uh, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, we've just been led r- astray, wrong mm-hmm. this. And so I kind of want to switch gears on you because I know that you are involved with a program called oh, yeah. um, W-O-O-F.
1: W-W-O-O-F.
0: W-W-O-O-F. I'm going to call it WOOF. 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 Okay. Woof, WOOF. And do you know what it stands for?
1: It is. Uh, W-W-O-O-F. It's an international organization. It stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms, WWOOF. These are people who travel the world um, volunteering on organic farms, um, sustainably grown farms, um, and not certified organic necessarily, but, uh, but they grow organically. They travel the world, this country, everywhere, um, and they volunteer. They come and all, 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 all the hosts provide is room and board. Mm. Um, we've been in the organization. We've been in this part of this for five, six years now. Oh wow! Started with three young women from Louisiana who came up, and uh, we've never had a bad experience. They come in and 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 I'll tell you, one acre. To some people, doesn't sound like much. To others, it sounds like that's a big garden. Um, it's a hell of a lot of work, mm-hmm. and when you have 36 beds, and come spring when you have to start getting those ready to plant, or come fall when you have to start prepping those to, to go to to go to bed, you know, for winter, mm-hmm. um, it's an amazing amount of work. Plus, weeds just never sleep. Neil Young has this great song, "Rust, Rust Never Sleeps," and uh, and so. And so, um, uh, they, they'll, they'll blow in, they'll blow in for a day overnight, they'll blow in for a week, a few months, whatever. And they'll just start working, you know, and. Do and they have I'm, to
0: have like farming experience? No, no nothing. You can just walk now, in green.
1: Some hosts, there are wolf hosts out there whose, their income depends on their farm. Their main source of income is their farm. Mm-hmm. And. And they will—they won't accept—they won't accept inexperienced uh, woofers. Yeah. We do. I mean, our Tori and I are both retired teachers. Mm-hmm. We view our farm as a teaching farm. Mm. Our main goal is that when those people leave our farm, whether it's one day or, or one day or ten days, that they know more when they, than when they come, and they know more specifically about organic, sustainable growing, regenerative agriculture. Um, um, Permaculture, these kind of topics that, and we'll sit around, you know, we'll sit around, and have a glass of wine, and we'll talk
0: and talk That's and talk. That's awesome. I'll
1: work with them, and we, and and uh, and I'll be working next to them, and and I, you can tell I like to talk. <laughs> this is one of my characteristics, <laughs> and so I'll be talking, you know, and I'll they'll be doing one thing, and I'll be doing something else, and I'll say, oh, come over here for a second, I want to show you something, and I'll show them a specific, you know, something about what I'm doing. Mm that will demonstrate some aspect. So WOOF, WWOF, they're, they're, they're hard, as a rule, typically they're hard working. Um, we don't care if they're experienced so much, it's, it's, it's wonderful when they are and they can just blow in. And we welcome them into our house. Um, they sometimes cook, sometimes we cook, and, uh, and we just enjoy their company. And so yeah. Wolf, I, I, I highly recommend Wolf. If you're a single farmer you know, uh, on, a, on, a, on whatever kind of acreage, small or large, um, if you have a place to stay uh, to, to put these people up, I would encourage you to do so. Now, the thing about it, what makes us different than other people I've noticed down here, is we, Tori and I, we were raised in Alaska, 26 years old into our, into our 50s and 60s, which mm-hmm. that period, I consider myself having been raised in Alaska. Mm-hmm. One characteristic of, a ra- of, of Alaska is, is people welcome you in. I mean, if you, if you work for, in some kind of job and you have to go to the villages or something like that, your, your main thing is to make contacts in those villages, make friends in those villages, because you can call them up and you say, hey, I'm coming into town tomorrow, into your village. You know, do you have a bedroom? You know, or, or can you open up the gym for me? And in Alaska, that's, it's not unusual to say, why, yes, of course, Mm -hmm. Anchorage is a little different, but most villages, most small towns are like that, you know, where you just welcome people. Mm -hmm. Um, Here, it's a little more, it's not quite as open as that, you know, people are a little less comfortable having complete strangers, these are complete strangers, come into their house or into their guest house or whatever and interact with them for some period of time. All of my (laughs) woofers, All of my volunteers, I Google first. You know, oh. I don't pay for police reports, but I do Google the <laughs> names just to be sure. Running background checks. Yeah, well, a lot of people do, and yeah, um, I, and and, yeah. and on the woof website, they before they uh, when they join, they fill they they put their profile on there, their experience, what they're looking for, where they're from, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, and so we always check that out. But I also I always Google uh, people who are going to do that mm-hmm. again. I've never had – n- we've never had a, uh, a, nev- a negative experience um, uh, with these with these folks before. We just – I just can't recommend them enough. I love it. What – the people going into the, the, the wolf program, what are they looking for? Are they looking for experience on farms? It, what's the – what's people they're, that are – are they traveling? Or are they – all of the above. Oh, okay. They're looking for knowledge. We mm. had one fella, a 55-year-old guy, who came out here, and he wanted to buy some land out here. Mm. Tori's a realtor. Nice. So he came out, and he stayed for three months. And we fed him. You know, he, he worked around our place. He finished one of our, our little guest house out. He, he, did a, he did that kind of thing. Um, and so it was this great trade. Uh, we've had others who are coming, and they want to know. They want to know about permaculture. Mm. They want to know about organic farming methods because, because they're thinking that in the future they want to get a little farm. And so mm-hmm. when they come to our place, we, we educate by example. I mean, we, we, yeah. we, we are—this is what I told my boys when I was raising my two sons— we all need to be ambassadors of those values that we think are good values and sh- and are worth passing on into the, into the future, mm-hmm. promoting. And so when people come onto our farm, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of permaculture, sustainable growing, regenerative agriculture, yeah. all these kind of things. And plus, and on my profile as a host, I lay right out there. You know, I'll say, uh, well, in my profile, A couple things that are in there. Number one, I'll say, you know, you're welcome to smoke. You know, just don't smoke in the buildings. I don't care if they smoke cigarettes, you know, outside. It doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I like cigarette smoke. I'm a past (laughs) smoker. I still like to smoke. Um, But, uh, you know, it's fine if you smoke. Um, There is absolutely no proselytizing allowed, preaching. Mm. You know, and yeah. if you do, you know, we welcome all, all religions, all faiths. And we'll have conversations about that you know, for sure. We've had mm-hmm. some good talks. Um, but uh, – and, and, uh, and so you know, those are the kind of things. And then finally I tell them, I say, I like puns.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: if you're going to be here, you're going to be punned on because you know, <laughs> I like puns and I like to joke. And uh, and so...
0: You would love my best friend, Kelly. We, we keep a guest
1: book that they sign in. And plus, we keep a map in the tiny house oh, of, with a pin cool. from where they're from. That's and, awesome. Uh, and so, you know, so they'll, you know, they'll pun. And some pun back and others, you know, they'll, in their guest book and their entries, you know, a lot of times they'll say, they'll say, oh, yeah, you were right. You know, geez, I've never heard so many puns. <laughs> um, but sometimes we get these cooks, these people who cooks, oi. Oh uh, gosh! Just, we That's had a young a big vegan. Bonus. We had a vegan from J- Jerusalem. This uh, oh. young woman who just made oh. this vegan falafel that was unbelievable. Once someone from from the Netherlands who made these strudels that were you know experiences like that. You know international, national, mm. and uh, and we still keep in touch. You know with their emails and That's stuff so like great. this. That's awesome. And so they always you know they say you know. You really need to come to Denmark. <laughs> yeah. Come on over and visit. Or you need to come to Brazil. You know, come on over and visit. And uh, and so we have these worldwide connections. And they've so experienced cool. they've experienced a class of Americans who might be contradictory to what they imagined Americans might be mm-hmm. from 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 their exposure to media. You know, mm-hmm. their own media and mm. American media. And that's one of our main goals is to is to show them that yeah that we're part of this world community as well mm-hmm. you know and not only part of the world community we're part of this worldwide effort to keep the environment uh, healthy mm-hmm. to, and, and when it's not healthy to help rebuild it you know to be you know to, to help rebuild soils one small herb farm at a time but still, um, you know, to, to, to show them how, how it can be done and, uh, and that we think it's important to do. You mm-hmm.
0: know, so. so important. I love that. So what's next for Foothills Farm? What's on the horizon for you guys? God,
1: I hope COVID gets over. I'm dying for <laughs> yeah. that <this How> spring <laughs> party. I how, mean, dang. Yeah,
0: how is that effect, has COVID affected your business? It, um, well, children? it has. Like,
1: you know, it, it's affected our daily routine very little, except when I come into mm-hmm. town, of course, I take precautions. We still have uh, friends over occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have dinner. You know especially in the summer when we can sit outside um we still ask that we always ask them you know what you know have you been tested have you been exposed this Mm -hmm. kind of thing and uh and uh, typically they they haven't um but uh, um what's coming next wow (sighs) ask that question again
0: what's on the horizon for foothills farm
1: thanks um
0: Are you going to be doing some teachings and some trainings and some? Because gosh, you're just so great I'm I love speaking this. and you're so knowledgeable your and you're it fun
1: your conferences <laughs> I love to do those classes I always teach. you are
0: always welcome to go I always teach a class
1: at the um, at the, uh, the the big plant sale at the community college every mm. spring oh, yeah. you know yeah. I always offer a class there how to build how to build soil or mm. or um, you know how to how to grow herbs or something like that so I love doing that and I hope to do more of it I, I just love being in front of people yeah. and talking about uh, my passion which is the farm um other than that it's you know it's it's um our spring party hopefully life will be good you know by the time our spring party rolls around in the third weekend of may
0: you better get an invite <laughs>
1: oh we well, see how this turns out yeah <laughs> no, no, no 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 you both you both are turned out our, our next big pro- well and the, the and w- the big project that's coming on that i've been working on for five years is i'm building a semi-earth sheltered Greenhouse mm. that will be geothermally heated and cooled, um, and solar heated and cooled, and solar powered fans and electrical things, things like this, and um, and will allow us then to to start earlier in the year in February we have no goal to grow year-round Tori and I don't we mm. just don't we, we want to be able to take a break mm-hmm. you know I like I like November December and January and February <laughs> part of February yeah. I like that off you know yeah. um, right and uh, and so but this little greenhouse it's 16 by by 30 something like that um, I've collected all the materials so it's almost free but it will be able to then start the plants our plants mm-hmm. in there um, Earlier, because the soil, I have a soil warming system that's been fermenting in my f- overheated little brain, <laughs> um, and uh, and so we'll be able to start our plants in there. Because every spring we sell, we have a plant sale. We sell both at the community college. We have a booth there, mm-hmm. and we'll sell our herbs and spices mm-hmm. and things like that. But then this last year, because the pl- the so the plant the sale was canceled, we went down to. The beginning of our drive, our road that we live on, Cooper Lane. And uh, one Saturday we did, you know, we took, typically I have a thousand, a thousand, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred 1200, 1300 starts, hauled them down there with our canopy, sat out there all day on a nice day with beautiful weather, advertised on Facebook and told uh, emails and told our friends it was happening. And we made as much money off that one day with little effort much less effort than the community college, Mm -hmm. as we did on the community college. So next year, we'll have another plant sale. Even with COVID, we'll have another plant sale because we Mm -hmm. had it in May and it it turned out good. Um, Our greenhouse, this big project that, that I'm working on that next year, next year, by God, I'll finish it. You know, I got, I made some major progress this year. And so next year, I'm gonna frame it in and get this thing going. And then our final big project is uh, we're in the process. My wife, because she's a realtor, has all these banking contacts, and she's just, gosh, she's just this genius at putting together financing packages. You know, I am so lucky um, that we've been in the process since 2012 of building our new house, Mm. a super insulated, super tight, Alaskan type of house, Um, not not giant house. Uh, It'll have a little commercial kitchen in it, one-bedroom apartment, and uh, so nice. there's a chance we might be able to build, start building that next spring, oh, nice. and then uh, once that's up, we get rid of the double-wide, and uh, we move into that house, and we have a big old, big old housewarming party that you're <laughs> <have> invited <laughs> to that'll feature a buried pig. Ooh, he's a pig. Ooh. We're gonna bury it. <laughs> That sounds amazing. A quick little story is I was at Costco, and uh, and up in Alaska, we used to have these theme parties, the three-day theme parties in this little village. And one time it was a South Pacific, and this friend of ours found a teacher out on the coast who was from the South Pacific, whose family knew how to bury pigs. Mm. And so we buried it in the tundra, cooked it all day, and it was an amazing thing. So I was in Costco, and I was, I was just walking around, you know, and as I am wont to do, I noticed this guy and his wife, and I walked up to him and I said, Would you happen to be from the islands? From the South Pacific Islands. And he said, he said, yeah. He said, yeah. And and he said, and and I said, well, and I explained this whole thing. (laughs) We're building this house. We're going to have this (laughs) hellacious three-day housewarming party that will go Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon it'll end. And I said, it's going to feature one of the hogs that we raise. I said, do you know anybody who, who, who can do this, who will, who will help us with this? And he said, he said, yeah, yeah, my family does this. We do this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We rent ourselves out. Wow. So not only to wow. cook it, but I think maybe to, to some kind of entertainment. So, so this is the big plan is after we move in there and the house is done, and this kind of stuff, we're going to have this this kind of big party. People can come and stay overnight, they can go and come back and uh, and we're going to have this uh, this hog in the, in the in the ground that will will unveil and, <laughs> and then just. We'll pig out, <laughs> so to speak. I love it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What did I say? What can I say? <laughs> oh but uh, so those are the those are the big projects. Other than that, it's refining our business model. We always look at our business model and see how it's going. I love I love this whole thing about spices. I'm just enthralled with with uh, temperate climate spices, mm-hmm. and so I'll see how those sell through Link. Um, the other thing that uh, COVID, one thing COVID did change is link the co-op was able to because the wholesale uh, the wholesale market collapsed school districts mm-hmm. universities this kind of thing mm-hmm. right they pivoted the board pivoted in a in a very short amount of time and opened it up to individual sales based on their CSA boxes the link boxes mm-hmm. and so from march on suddenly we started getting big orders for our mm-hmm. dried herbs because you know, people were able to go and we would list them, they would say okay I want a bag of oregano and the bag of oregano would be thrown in the CSA box mm-hmm. and so we would deliver it and so that has kept on going uh, through this year and so we're still getting sales and I'm hoping that um, that those continue plus we're starting to manage our website uh, our website better, we have an e-tail store there and all of our products are available there awesome. but, uh, so um you www.foothillsfarm.net. I was gonna say you <laughs> gotta, foot, gotta foot, throw it in there. FoothillsFarm.net. <laughs> you know it has to be net, not com. Sorry, because com was taken by a <laughs> Georgia farm. Yeah, I oh gotta get my hands
0: on some of this pesto. I'm.
1: I mean, I. You sell this on your website? Oh yeah. I'm gonna go in <laughs> to buy some. We'll sell everything. And I'm about to make a whole batch of. Uh, we we borrow a commercial kitchen up north in Clayton. Oh, okay. And so I've got to go up there and start making a bunch of horseradish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, mm, yeah, But but the gosh. pesto is all ready. It's too. all frozen and then we're selling that. And then, uh, of course, all the dried herbs and and, uh, and, uh, Tory salves and and the spices and this kind of thing. Where can you find your – can you find – you can buy it in stores. Well, no, we can't. Oh, you can't. Except our horseradish. Oh, okay. Every year, Ah. huckleberries up on the hill? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huckleberries will order – 60 or 70 jars of horseradish okay. because for the holiday season. Oh, nice. Because it sells, it's evidently a big seller yeah. among the Jewish population. Mm. And so we sell these, you know, so they'll order a bunch, they'll stock it, and uh, it's uh, Tom's Hardy Horseradish is what oh it's called. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I've my hands on it. Strangely enough. But uh, <laughs> hopefully they'll they'll buy that again as soon as I list it, uh, and, and we'll have just this mass of horseradish. Horseradish is not a super hot, although I'm going to make a hot batch. And... Um, a quick note on horseradish. Yeah? Horseradish stops being hot as soon as you add the vinegar.
0: Oh, so really? So
1: I take in my, in my blender, you know, I'll throw in my horseradish root, mm-hmm. a little bit of salt, yeah. eh, touch a smidge of sugar. And then in the past, as soon as I've started, I put in the vinegar so that it doesn't get too hot. I, I, I like horseradish, but I don't like heat to overcome flavor. Mm. And people have agreed. However, I have gotten some, some feedback that, yeah, I really like h- hot horseradish. Really? So this time I'm going to make my horseradish. And I'm going to wait about 30 or 40 seconds and then put the vinegar in and hopefully it will be hot. It'll be a hot batch. Oh my But gosh. That's coming this fall. And, uh, you know, those are the, those are the plans. I mean, just carrying on, carrying on this co- COVID, you know, is, is, uh, you know, hoping that this, that, that this passes uh, by, by next year, you know, and, uh. And life is good once again. And we can have our spring party again. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, our spring party, we feature, you know, the phrase, everyone is invited. That's awesome. Oh, so, so everybody can. Love well, it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, I hope to see you there. There
0: yeah. we go. Well, yeah, make sure that you check out, another quick shout out farm. <laughs> dot net. Another,
1: another quick shout out. I got to have a quick shout out to Simba. The Spokane Independent oh, yes. Municipal Business Association, mm-hmm. Mariah. Mariah is just this yes. oh, spark plug. But Simba is this local business organization that we're part of. They feature they feature uh, programs to help small businesses, all kinds of businesses. And uh, so Simba, I, I really like to shout out Simba, Link, and oh, Foothills Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Simba's an amazing organization. They really are. They're I really, I really enjoyed them.
0: You might have to get Mariah on here. Yeah, actually. you should absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tom, this has yeah. been such a fascinating and wonderful. It was only conversation. supposed to be a half an hour, as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. I no. had a feeling no, no. this was. <laughs>
1: if you have another hour, I've got some more to right? say. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, we always like to close our interviews with a little bit of a spitfire round just so our listeners can get a little bit more of a feel of your personality, oy. as if they already didn't. Oi, <laughs> oi, <Oy, oy ve. laughs> yeah, Go. So, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Um, what's a food that you can't live without?
1: Oven-fried chicken. My wife's oven-fried chicken. Yum. Mm. Mm. It's choy. Wow. <laughs>
0: um, what's the most recent movie you just watched?
1: The most recent movie I've just watched? Uh. Yeah, I like action movies. They don't have to be good. So I think I just watched like. Oh no, no! I just watched um, Nicole Kidman. Not Nicole Kidman. Um, oh darn it, darn it! It was. Okay, I'll say skyscraper with the rock. Oh. Okay. I like. No, I like this. It's not my favorite movie, but I like. This. What is your favorite movie? Young Frankenstein. Oh. Gene Wilder. Oh, I, I send my kids bits. We've watched that twenty-five times. That's hilarious.
0: If you could be reincarnated as a non-human animal, what would it be and why? Farm dog. A farm dog. I love it. I love it. a good They farm. got a good life. Yeah, yeah, well, you yeah know. that's true. Sheena has. China's
1: the head of our farm security. And, uh, <laughs> what, you know, what kind of dog is she? Yeah, she's a black lab mix. Mm. And it's just, I got to say, she's a great <laughs> dog. Oh. I've never been attached to dogs before until her. so. Mm.
0: Um, If you could learn any language fluently, what would it be?
1: Chinese. Mandarin.
0: Huh? Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I just, I'm... Entranced. Mm. I love it. Mm.
0: Let's see, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Whew. Wow. <laughs> I was going to make sure you asked this question. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> On what occasion? <laughs> You know,
1: I mean, bopping around the garden. I mean, I have, I have, Pandora's a big part of my life, so I have this, my headphones on, mm-hmm. and, um, and Rolling Stones, you know, it depends on what I'm doing. Rolling Stones, just the energy, that's the energy drink of, 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 on my farm. But, but Beatles, yeah, I, I can't, I, I can't, I'll take both of them. That's, I, I, that's all I can say. Oh, I mean, you the, might have a tie now. Beatles are just, you know, they're just, oh, beautiful, beautiful.
0: Um, what is something you've tried that you will never try ever again?
1: Liver and onions. <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah. yeah. Great.
0: All right, and then last question. What is your favorite dessert?
1: Wow, favorite dessert is, uh, oh, God, there's, I have a sweet tooth. I've always had a sweet tooth, mm-hmm. coupled with the ability to make anything I want. And so I have to say, it's probably chocolate sheet cake
0: mm. with walnuts. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Thick, Decadent. gooey. Oh,
1: that's oh, oh. Yeah, great. Great stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being here. We had so much fun interviewing you. And we'll make sure to um, link your website and a few other posts oh, you. from your Facebook page on our Instagram and our Facebook pages as well. Um, so cheers to growing quality food One, and great soil.
1: And just a, a passing note: next spring, every season, we love to have visitors. I love mm. to tour, take tours. Yes. I love. You might guess I like to talk. <laughs> uh, and uh, I love. We are always open to tours. And next year, we're going to plan on having three classes mm. that we're going to offer: April, awesome. April, July, and September. With each class featuring that part of the season's oh, tasks nice. uh, and, and features. Perfect. But no, I'm honored that, that that you asked me here. Uh, this is oh. just so much fun. Uh, I love it. And, uh, and and I don't say honored lightly. I, I, really, I really am. Thank you. Well, very much. we are
0: honored to have you. So thank yeah. you for being here. You bet. All right. to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rocks to Roots. Please make sure to subscribe to our Rocks to Roots channel. And also, more importantly, please leave us a review. That's the only way we can get better.